You're listening to the HR Mixtape, your podcast with the perfect mix of practical advice, thought-provoking interviews, and stories that just hit different so that work doesn't have to feel, well, like work. Now, your host, Sherry Simpson. Joining me today is Camber Parker, founder and CEO of the YoPro No. Voted as Young Professional of the Year for the Greenville Chamber in 2021, Small Business of the Year in 2022, and recently awarded the South Carolina Women in Business Award. As a speaker and consultant, Camber started her company, the Yo Pro Now in 2018, a platform designed to be the bridge between ambitious young professionals and the companies that wish to hire them, and most importantly, retain them. Camber, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast with me today. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So after reading your bio, congrats on all those fantastic accolades. You know, it's so exciting to have somebody who has um, made so many amazing things so early on in their life. Thank you. That's very sweet of you to say. I I really am. I'm proud of where, where we've come and you know where we've gotten the business, but there's still a long way to go. Of course, of course. There's always work to be done, right? Um, so before we dive in, I'd love if maybe you could start with a memory from your early days that kind of made you realize that there's this gap between young professionals and employers. Yeah, so it's such a great question. I... I had my first career right out of college working for a Fortune 250 insurance company. Everybody's dream job, right? It's very sexy industry of insurance. Uh, Just kidding. My dad was uh, 35 years at Nationwide. And so it was just kind of in the family, right? In, In my blood, so to speak. And so I went in and that first experience was truthfully just a really tough one. I quickly realized that I was not alone in that feeling, right? I was 21, fresh out of college. I knew that I could not be the only one at feeling this. And so I started asking questions and that is the inception of the business, the YoProno, which started as a blog back in 2018, because I realized that I wasn't alone. There were people that were in my same age range that were struggling as young professionals. And I did not know what that need was at the time. I didn't know there, I knew there was a gap. I didn't know just how deep it was. And I truly did not know what I was getting myself into, but five and a half, six years later, it has totally transformed my life. And it's because of that first career. And so to go back and answer your question fully, I didn't know what it was at the time, but communication and expectations were, were really what it came down to. They were poor I didn't, I was not clearly communicated with, and I did not know what the, what the clear expectations were. You know, I think about that idea of expectations and what Gen Z and millennials want. And I think that there's still a lot of misconception out there. So maybe you could highlight us with, you know, two or three misconceptions that companies might still hold around these groups. Um, and if there's any truth behind some of those myths or misconceptions. Yeah. So talking about myths and truths of all generations is one of my favorite pastimes. It's it's what I go through typically in most of my workshops and speaking engagements. And I always ask the group that I'm speaking to first, what do you think of when you think of young professionals? And it's so interesting, depending on who the group is, right? If it's all young professionals, they're going to speak really highly about the young professionals, which is, is great because, you know, 
they think, they think positively of themselves themselves. Then when you ask a room full of senior leaders, it's quite different. And so some of those myths that we hear are entitled. They are only on social media. You can only find them on TikTok. They're not hard workers, right? That, that one, that one grinds my gears because I'm a young professional. I'm a proud millennial. I'm really at the tail end of millennials. My younger brother is a Gen Zer. He's three years younger than me. So we're, you know, I'm, I'm on the tail end and I hear that so often. The misconception is young professionals do want to work hard. They are hard workers. What if they're not being engaged right now? Is the engagement level, is the communication that is happening not clear? Are they not getting messages across? They meaning experienced leaders. Are they not communicating and setting expectations clearly with young professionals so that they're engaged, so that they are working harder? And the answer is no, a lot of the times, because companies are doing things the way that they've always done them. With this new genera generation, uh, things are not changing, they've already changed. And so companies need to adapt to that. Um, and on the flip side, young professionals also need to understand how to communicate with their experienced leaders. And so that's, that's really a, a mission of mine. We have to be that bridge. We can't just say, you need to do this, this, and this to make young professionals happy. And so I know I, I kind of went off there, but going back again to that question of some of the myths and truths, there are, I think, some truths to the myths that these experienced professionals might think of young professionals because they've experienced it, right? If you're experiencing it and you experience a young professional that isn't working hard or that is entitled, which there are, but there are also experienced leaders that experience and exhibit those behaviors as well. So I think it comes down to, you know, what are your senior leaders doing about it? How are they getting everybody on the same playing field by having a workshop where people talk about the myths and truths? And that's just not happening. It's starting to, but it's not happening enough. Do you have any stories where you've had an interaction with a young professional and you were kind of surprised or there was something fun that came out of it that, you know, kind of debunked some of the things that we're hearing? And, and, and I guess I, I'll kind of root this in. So I have I have three kids, um, 24, 22 and 18, and they're hella hard workers. They're all active duty military. So I have a very unique perspective of what the younger generation has. Um, but I'm curious, you know, what are some fun stories you've come across? Yeah, it's such a good question. So the first thing that I will mention is, you know, people who are listening to this, your kids are your best in-house research, you know, learn from them and then take it with you to work because that really does help. Um, you know that you're different from your kids because you're from a different generation. And so learn, be, be curious about them. That'll help pass that along in the future to, to maybe their kids or, or their future generations that come after them. So that's just a little plug there. Um, something that's interesting that I think might surprise people is a lot, you know, our, our work is rooted in data. So we've collected interviews from thousands of young professionals across the country. That's what the basis is of our consulting work or speaking or training, everything. It's all rooted in data. Um, and most young professionals will tell us that they actually, something that's surprising, we, we just posted about this recently on our website and it's a free resource on a blog and a social post is things that spook young professionals the most at work. Um, I don't know if I won't, I won't make you guess right now. We can, I'll make the audience guess tomorrow when I'm speaking, but it's actually limited growth opportunities, limited career opportunities. I think that would be surprising to some people to hear that that's what spooks them the most at work. Um, 
in our recent study that we did on the current state of young professionals today that we released this past summer in 2023, we found what matters least to young professionals in the workplace. And it was happy hours, free stuff, free swag, like CEOs stop bringing in pizza parties, right? Um, making friends at work, building a community at work. Now, when we asked those questions prior to the you know pandemic, it was very different. But since the pandemic, communities have shifted and young professionals who are working hybrid, which most really do prefer hybrid work schedules. And I'm sure we could dive into that whole conversation separately, but young professionals who are working hybrid, they might come into the office a couple of days a week and then they're getting out because they have, they want to get back home to their pods and their communities. And so we're starting to see that shift. And I think that surprises experienced professionals. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, I do think it's interesting, the concept of advancement in, and I think it's actually a really good thing that this generation is pushing us to have more clear, concise conversations about how do you advance in our organization? How do, how does meeting expectations lead you to more responsibility, breadth of work, different scope, higher level role, all those kinds of things. So I, I think that's a good thing that they're asking those questions. You know, you have a four E's framework and among those embrace, engage, equip, and empower, which one often gets overlooked, but you think maybe packs a punch in terms of impact. Mm -hmm. So this was, when I was thinking about this question, I was like, man, how do I how do I answer this? And it's, it's actually one that we've already kind of talked about and something I've alluded to is this embracing intergenerational communication. So the embrace is followed by intergenerational communication. We have to, as a society, stop focusing on Gen Z this, Gen Z that, or baby boomer this, baby boomer that. How can we create a more holistic approach where we are, yes, using data, that we collect, I mean, my company, my goodness, we only do date, we only collect data on millennials and Gen Zers who are in that young professional workforce, but we have to talk about the solutions. We can't just talk about here are the problems, here's what you need to do to, you know, make them happy. That's not what this is about. This is really creating an opportunity for all generations to better communicate with each other because newsflash, people who are listening to this already know we've got an aging workforce problem. We have way too many young professionals who are not engaged, who are not clearly communicated with. There's so much noise today that if it's, it's going in one ear, it's probably going out the other, unless it's communicating, it's communicated within their communication style and preference. And so that's what interge intergenerational communication is all about. Okay. And so when we talk about embracing intergenerational communication to maximize young professional performance, you're really helping their present self, but you're also helping the future generations. Because if you can train young people on how to better communicate with all generations, that's going to stay with them throughout their entire career. So that when they're the senior leaders, I should say, when we, when, when we are senior leaders, we're going to be able to, to transport that information that much quicker to the next generation, to the next Gen Z. And what a great tool to think about how knowledge transfer is going to happen from that baby boomer generation into the younger generation. Cause I think we're missing that piece of it too. Like, it, like you said, I think it, it's so important that we're leaning into communication because it's both sides of the table that, that need to learn those skills. And, and absolutely what a, what a wonderful framework to think about. Let's teach them that skills. And then that skill kind of exists now in the, in the universe per se, in the workplace that can continue to get translated to generations 
and generations going forward. So Gen Alpha will be way more set up for success than, um, you know, millennials or Gen Zs who are trying to navigate this right now. Exactly. And I think that part has been missing. So when I, when I talk about, I mean, I'll give you the number one reason that young people stay or leave a company it's not compensation. It's ultimately communication and expectations. That's again, from the data that we've collected from thousands of young professionals, they have left because communication was poor between a boss who is more likely than not in a different generation. And so when we hear, when we tell senior leaders and they're like, well, communication, it's always been a problem. That's no different than when I was a young professional. And it, the, the thing is it is different because different generations define communication uniquely. They have their own unique way of, of looking at communication. And so what if we could start it earlier? What if we could, you know, kind of tackle this problem early on in their careers? So emerging leader programs, the learning and development that takes place at companies. I think companies are really already kind of on board with this, right? You know, developing better communication, but it's oftentimes about the communication of individuals. It's not between the generations. And so that is where, I mean, that's my, my specific charge and, and my team's charge so much so that next year we are bringing on a team member who is specifically going to go to high schools and colleges to train them on intergenerational communication. So what if we could get them in before they even enter the workforce? And so that's what fires me up. I love that. I think we could talk about that for, for ages uh, and not just 15, 20 minutes. Um, you know, when you think about the future, right? And I say fast forward 10 years from a generational perspective, you know, how do you envision those dynamics of young professionals in the workplace, especially giving some of the accelerations like tech, AI, societal changes, you know, things that we're witnessing now, how do you see the future? Mm -hmm. So I'll say first, just from a company perspective, because I think it's important when you ask, when you frame the question that way. So I'm not going to be a young professional forever. I'm, I'm 28 proud of it, but you know, I'm not going to be a pro forever. So I've designed my team as such. I've created people that are from all different generations, right? We've created a team because we need to be able to think outside of the box. We can't all just be yo pros. And so that's, that's kind of one piece from a company perspective, from a broader kind of macro level. There's a couple of answers uh, to that question. One is we just actually released a podcast this past week on AI. We brought in an AI expert who talked about young professionals and the impact that they will have and their jobs will have as entry-level roles as a result of AI. The expert said, and I, 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 Loved that he said this. I didn't even know what he was going to say before we hopped on, but I had a feeling. Um, he said, you know, companies that are looking to downsize as a result of AI, who are going straight to their entry levels and, and cutting them, stop, pause, because your young professionals are going to be the ones who are managing the AI in 20, 30 years. So that would be a huge damage to your company if you do this. And so young professionals are going to be just that. They're going to be managing the shepherding of content is essentially what he said. Um, the shepherding of content, the shepherding of education. Um, it's going to change the workplace forever, as we all know, but you're going to need your young professionals trained today in order to be there. So in order to be trained, they have to be present. So I think we're going to start to see that shift. So if people are listening and, and you maybe have recently laid off some young professionals as a result, or you've downsized, um, reconsider that 
and, and kind of figure out where to place them. And then another piece to, to keep in mind is young professionals, Gen Z and millennials will make up more than half of the U.S. workforce by 2025. Um, as of where we are today, that's about 427 days away. Um, and I know that because it's a, it's a part you're probably like, that's so weird that she knows that. Um, it's a part of my, my presentation tomorrow. So I had that number in my head. Um, but we, <laughs> I'm laughing now, um, but why that's so important is, I mean, that's not, that's not that far away. And we have this huge surge of young professionals that are going to be making up the U S workforce. They're in really different stages of life than the previous generations who might've been married that big chunk, maybe more were married, maybe more had kids, maybe more bought homes. That's not what's happening with Gen Z and millennials right now who are working early on. A lot of them can't afford homes. A lot of them are getting married later. We're getting married later. We're having kids way later. And so that's going to be an interesting shift in the workforce as well. As you think about our audience, so you're, you're talking to HR professionals from small to, you know, large organizations. What is maybe three things you hope that they walk away from this conversation when it comes to young professionals in relation to changes that they can make in their workplaces? Yeah. So I love actionable items. That's always a great way to, to wrap up an episode. I would say first one is what we just talked about with, with AI, right? Get your, your teams trained in AI and really make an effort to engage your young professionals in training of AI. Not that your baby boomers are not important, not that your experienced leaders should not get that training, but your young people are going to be the ones that can really bring your, your workplace and your company, um, through this transition. And so I think that's going to be really critical that you really embrace the training of those young people. So I would say that's one immediate step. The other is try to figure out how you can incorporate intergenerational communication into your workplace. I mean, your HR professionals, right, who are listening. So maybe empower yourselves, empower somebody on your team to learn what that looks like or hire and outsource a third party to do it for you. Um, I think there's more and more people out there like us that are doing this. And I say that if there's, you know, 20,000, that's a great problem to have because that means that a lot of people are, are adjusting to this new communication tool, which is just learning how to, how to bring generations together um, and communicate better to make better, more informed decisions in the workplace. And then third, We've talked a little bit about communication preferences and styles um, and how sometimes you might have a myth out there where young people are known to be just not hard workers. Well, maybe they just haven't been clearly communicated with. And so they don't know that there's something out there that you were waiting on them to do. So action step, ask your team of young professionals or not, ask them how they like to communicate. What's their preferred communication style? And then you as the leader, as the communicator, go ahead and, and try to test it out and communicate. So whether that's sending a text, maybe not with serious information, right? Not with serious information. Maybe you need to send a text and maybe that gets to that young professional, that Gen Z or faster because that's their preferred communication style. So ask a lot of companies, when I, when I share that piece of advice, they're like, oh, I've never thought of that. I think HR professionals are a little bit different, but I would recommend doing that. I love those tips, um, especially about thinking about communication channels. You know, if you're really progressive and, and you want to try something, create a Snapchat group and have that be the way you oh, communicate. Oh gosh, you'll, you'll be like, you'll be trying to sleep and those <laughs> notifications will be going off. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, you know, like you said, you know, I, I, I said I have younger kids and that's how they communicate with their friends. They don't use text. They use Snapchat or they do, you know, Instagram communications or messages. Um, and so it's, it's just been fascinating seeing that change in communication. And it's important to understand, obviously, you're not going to send out a very important, you know, corporate communication via Snapchat message. Like, that's not going to happen. But that's part of that education piece. Like, hey, here's how we communicate. Here's what we communicate in these different channels. And let's leverage them. Great advice. And I'll just add a couple more thoughts to that, if I if I may. Young professionals are on social media. It's just the reality. And more specifically, they spend majority of their on their time consuming videos from YouTube. Number one, 88%. The next is Instagram, then TikTok, then Snapchat. Okay, those are the four top communication tools. And so I often have companies come to me and they're like, we can't attract talent. And I'm like, well, you have a Facebook channel and you're struggling to attract Gen Z. No surprise there, but it's just not pure. It's not, it's not common knowledge right now. So utilizing tools to, to just create a better strategy to communicate with your young talent and knowing that they are on social media. And then the last piece I'll mention is young people are just used to customization at this point. And that really does not sit well with a lot of experienced professionals who just, they did what they had to do. They paid their dues. That's it. Young people have experienced customization from the very first moment they had social media where their, their explore pages were extremely customized. Their Netflix channels are customized to watching videos based on other videos they've watched, Spotify, music, you name it. So customization is the future of work. And I think HR is absolutely picking up on that. Other industries and spaces have not, but that's going to be a trend that I think we see. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes of your day to chat with me. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can find show notes and links at thehrmixtape.com. Come back often and please subscribe, rate, and review.